0: Numbers. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday evening as we are getting into a lot of trade deadline chatter here in the NBA. Trade deadline is on Thursday right at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. mountain time. At Denver Stiffs, we will be covering all of those angles, providing every rumor, every update that we possibly can. There was even a rumor that came out tonight that I think Nuggets fans should be relatively interested in, because it talks about a player that I've talked about previously. I will share that in just a little bit. Today's episode is going to be about two different things, the trade deadline chatter that has been going on. I wrote an article today on Denver Stiffs that basically narrates where the Nuggets are at as a team. What they have, what they need, is anything actually going to happen? There's a lot of Drew Holiday stuff in there, and there, there's been some national reporting about Drew Holiday and the Nuggets' reported interest in him. I believe that is real, and when there's, there's this much smoke, there's usually at least some fire going on, so it doesn't surprise me that Tim Connolly, former uh, New Orleans Pelicans exec, is interested in something like that and has some connections with the Pelicans. The other thing that we're going to talk about in the second segment is I have five rotation questions. Some of these are going to be contingent on what the Nuggets actually do at the deadline. So much of what they what they end up doing could actually change what their rotation looks like. In all likelihood, I don't think it will. I think that there's probably going to be a trade made, whether that's Malik Beasley, Wancher Hernan gomez uh, if it's something larger, then, then that will provide some major rotation questions. But most likely, a trade will be unaffecting the rotation. And we'll just leave it at that for right now. But yeah, let's get into this trade deadline chatter. I want to talk about this this Woj. Brian Windhorst, Zach Lowe reporting. Sham Sharania recorded it, reported it, uh, I think, last week. Uh, I think that was a a Friday post that he made that the Nuggets had definite interest in Drew Holiday, as did the Miami Heat. That was the same reporting that Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, Bobby Marks, and all of the guys at ESPN, Brian Windhorst, Zach Lowe, they all had basically the same thing. And when you have basically the same thing going around usually it's it's solid reporting it doesn't necessarily mean that it came from denver's side maybe it's new orleans trying to drop a bidding war maybe maybe they're looking to see if they could get tyler hero from the miami heat maybe they're looking to see if they could get michael porter jr from the nuggets and let me tell you michael porter jr is off the table for the nuggets there's no way they trade michael porter jr for anybody less than like I don't know, an all-NBA player right now. Somebody who's definitely in the top 15 players in the NBA and is on a controllable contract. But, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is a really interesting piece. He is the guy that apparently is going to be the bell of the ball for this trade deadline period. Probably the best player available on the trade market. Just pulling up his numbers here real quick. On the season, he's played 41 games, his 19.7 points per game, 6.3 assists, 4.7 rebounds, shooting 44% from the field, 35% from three. Um, Big key there is also his defensive numbers. The efficiency is definitely down with him, but the, the, the steal and block numbers are still elite for a guard. He has generated the fourth most steals per game, and the the second most blocks per game of any guard in the NBA. That's a big deal if he's that active, if he's that impactful on that end, then there's a reason why the Nuggets are probably interested. He has that capability to really change a series and if if Denver is in a position where they're facing a James Harden or a Damian Lillard or somebody of that nature, then you want somebody that you can truly count on that can also provide some offensive push. And I think that's the really big thing here is that Drew Holiday is a really good offensive player. He hasn't had a great year this year. The efficiency, as I said, it's a little bit down, but he's still shooting 35% from three. If he continues to up that two-point percentage and get some more efficient shots, then I think he's in a really good position. Over the last few weeks, I think he's been pretty good. Uh, but it has been hit or miss. Let's check the game logs and just just see what he's been doing over the last 20 games or so because there was a stretch that the Pelicans lost every game. So let's go beyond let's go beyond that stretch. that game 29 to game 50. he did miss some of those. But his efficiency is up after that point, after that losing streak. And what that says to me is that they were going through a lot of turmoil and everybody was missing shots. Things were just not working out well. Even during that stretch, he's had some great games. Put up 28 points, 29 points, 26. He's had 12 assists, 10 assists. He's had multiple games where he's hit four threes. Drew Holiday is an extremely versatile player. And there's a reason why the Nuggets are targeting him. He is an impactful defensive player that can guard basically any perimeter player. And he also has a versatile offensive skill set where the Nuggets lack a little bit of finishing around the rim. A A guy that can get to the rim at a relatively consistent rate. Drew Holiday can do that. He has the shake. He has the ball handling ability to be able to get to the rim more than any other Nuggets guard. I think that's that's kind of a big deal. Jamal Murray not really a a driver of the basketball. He he can shimmy, he can shake a little bit. He's got some he's got some nice technical moves, but ultimately he doesn't get to the rim as much as you want from a primary playmaker. Now Nikola Jokic is Denver's primary playmaker, and so that changes how you how you view Drew Holiday. But the reason why. Jamal Murray has worked so well most of the time with Nikola Jokic is because he can play both on and off ball. And I think that's something that Drew Holiday has shown that he can do as well. He's never played with a guy like Nikola Jokic before, but the closest thing was Anthony Davis. And he's had some really good seasons with Anthony Davis, and they've had some really good offenses in New Orleans. Uh very, very capable years. Uh he can contribute to a strong offense, even if he's not the focal point, even if he's not like the elite shooter, the elite efficiency guy. There are other guys that can be efficient when Drew Holiday is on the floor. He can soak up some possessions and soak up some, some opportunities that are really tough and still be reasonably efficient in those, but right now he's, he's at a pretty good place, and I think that he would get even better in a Nuggets uniform. Now, the problem is always going to be the price. And Woj and Windhorst and Zach Lowe and others, they have all talked about how the Pelicans don't know if they necessarily want him on the table or not. They don't know if he's actually going to be there. And I believe that. I believe that they are in a really tough place right now. Zion Williamson has just come back. Brandon Ingram is there. They have a lot of young guys. Lonzo Ball, uh, they've got some young centers as well, like Jackson Hayes. There are a lot of pieces there that when they have come together and Drew Holiday has been a part of that but when they have t- when they have come together they've been a pretty competent team. They've they've done a reasonable job ever since that massive losing streak that they had early in the year. But that losing streak put them really behind the 8 ball and there's also the fact that the Pelicans are in a different stage of their rebuild than the Nuggets are. Pelicans are just trying to get to the playoffs. The Nuggets are trying to compete for a championship that's their goal now they're trying to compete for multiple years and we'll get into why drew holiday is a pretty dangerous acquisition if you do that but in terms of the short term there are very few players that are going to be as impactful as drew holiday so if you're the nuggets i think you have to consider at least uh, throwing some assets their direction throwing gary harris their way if you don't believe you're going to sign Malik Beasley, then throw him their way. And then just you're gonna you're gonna have to throw a first round pick pretty much no matter what. The question is beyond that, what are you going to add? And the Pelicans are they may think, okay, that's that's not enough, no matter what. We need Michael Porter Jr. in that deal. And if if that's the only thing that they're going to accept, then you just say no, and that's that's that. However,. If they are willing to accept less than that, let's say they, they are willing to take a flyer on Bull Bull, as well as a first and Malik Beasley and Gary Harris, I think you got to do that deal if you're Denver. There are very few players that can fit into what Denver is doing as well as Holiday can. And if Jamal Murray is struggling with his ball handling, if Will Barton, if, if his shot is is not going in at the proper time, then... Holiday at least provides a major defensive upgrade to Denver's team defense. There's definitely an opportunity for them to really get a boost on that end, because they've fallen off so much over the last several weeks. Some of that is because they've been without Paul Millsap, but I think a lot of it, the guards have been unable to contain, and Gary Harris is a part of that even though he's been off and on with injuries, I, I've been pretty disappointed with the the defensive performances of late. Gary Harris was so good in October and so good in November, and then it kind of tailed off in December. And in January, when he's been on the floor, he hasn't been an impactful defender. That's That's a really tough proposition. I am at least a little bit concerned about Gary Harris, because if he's not going to be an elite defender just say he's a good to moderately great defender I don't know if he has the size to be able to deal with guys like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George on a consistent basis or James Harden even Drew Holiday does he's a little bit bigger a little bit thicker uh, has longer arms just a little bit more physical right now and you kind of need that when you're dealing with some of those bigger guys. And while Gary Harris has had his great moments against those players, he also isn't shooting the ball as well as Drew Holiday right now. His efficiency is lower. His, his numbers are down. And they've been down for a couple of years. And he's, he's been in a position where he's just really struggled to get to that threshold again. So if you're really quibbling about whether to add bowl-bowl, or Jared Vanderbilt, or P.J. Dozier, or even Monte Morris, because I think P.J. Dozier has shown that he can contribute in place of Monte. If you're really quibbling there, then I think the answer that that you're giving yourself is, man, we're thinking a little bit too much about this. Drew Holiday is the best player the Nuggets can get. And if you have to give up just a little bit extra, then I think so be it. As long as you're not giving up Michael Porter Jr., as long as you're not mortgaging the future. And mortgaging the future means trading multiple first-round picks in this case. I don't think you trade two first-round picks. And if the Pelicans say no to that deal, then I think Denver has to walk away. Because if they're trading multiple first-round picks, then that's, that's... 2024 and 2022 and and they're already missing next year's first round pick and that that makes it really difficult to keep a team cheap especially when the Nuggets are probably going to be paying max contract money to Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray for the next three to four years at least so I'm interested in seeing how it goes I'm interested in seeing how Denver plays it whether the Pelicans even want what Denver is offering, because if they don't want it, then it's kind of a, a hard no. But it's it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how this plays out and whether Drew Holiday gets traded, because I think he does. I think he's going to get moved. And even though the Pelicans are saying that they don't know about it, I think they're going to move him. They've got too many young guys that they need to play, that they need to showcase... And if they move Drew Holiday for a guy like Gary Harris, I don't think that impacts their their ending season totals that much. Because they still have Zion Williamson. They still have Brandon Ingram. And if you can add Malik Beasley, for example, and Gary Harris, then maybe you find a, a formula there where those guys can continue to contribute. But we're gonna have to see. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm gonna get to some other trade deadline things as well as the rotation questions at the end. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. numbers here, Ryan Blackburn, taking you through some of this trade deadline talk. It's a tough time for everybody just because there are so many players that this can affect. and while veterans know exactly how this thing goes and how rumors are thrown around and, and things could get out of hand real quick if you listen to the wrong person, it's something that I think is is kind of a big deal if, if you're Denver. Because the Nuggets are in this position right now where they can compete for a championship. I believe that. I believe that they don't have enough right now, though. And so if there's an avenue for them to get enough pieces to figure that out and add just one more guy that they could potentially use to put them over the top, then I think you have to explore it. I think you have to acknowledge that maybe maybe you have to give up some of your future in order to try and take a swing. Good teams do that. Good teams make moves, and good teams, especially like, let's say, Toronto with Masai Ujiri, for example. They had a, a core of DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, but even they, they traded for Serge. They they added Damari Carroll, then they traded him away, and they added uh, Jakob Pertl through the draft, and then they traded him and DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard. And that was a big deal. It, it was it was an acknowledgement that the Raptors just didn't have enough to get over the top, and even at the deadline, they still needed more. They traded for Marcus Saul. and Marcus All was one of the big reasons why they were able to get past the Philadelphia 76ers and Joel Embiid. If all Philly or if all Toronto had in that series was Serge Ibaka, and Jonas Valanciunas to cover Joel Embiid, then I think that they lose that series. I don't think that they have enough. Marc Gasol really made things difficult for the opposing team's best player. And that was a big, big factor in them winning that series. Denver could come into a similar situation even as soon as the first round. It looks like Denver will be a top four seed. But let's say they're the three seed and they have to face the six seed Dallas Mavericks. Do they have enough defenders to cover Luka Doncic? Do they have enough guys that even when he's even if they feel like they have enough defenders to defend Luka Doncic, do they have enough guys that can execute Denver's off ball schemes? Meaning, if Luka's gonna throw a pass to the corner, the Nuggets need somebody that they know will be there in time, that they know will be able to rotate and cover the backside of the defense. And do they trust uh, Malik Beasley to do that? Do they trust um, Michael Porter Jr. to do that? They're going to have to live with what Michael Porter Jr. does because I think he plays in the playoffs no matter what. But what if they don't trust certain guys? What if they feel like they need to go small and they need to add another piece? What if they feel like they need to add more shooting on the wing? Which I think is kind of a big deal because they don't have enough shooting right now. I think there are definitely options out there. The first one being Robert Covington. Now, there was a late report tonight by Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer. He was kind of hiding in an article that was talking about a failed Golden State trade that would have sent D'Angelo Russell to Minnesota. It talked about Robert Covington. The Houston Rockets are interested in Robert Covington. They really want him. They really want to see if they can get him. However, the Nuggets were also mentioned as one team that was interested as were the Philadelphia 76ers and Dallas Mavericks. Now, that's no surprise. Those are basically contending-level teams that need just another piece that could potentially guard Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James or, or Paul George or somebody like that. And if you get that guy, that means opposing teams do not get that guy. So if you're Denver, if Houston trades for Robert Covington, it becomes immensely more difficult to face them it becomes immensely more difficult for let's say will barton if will barton has to deal with uh, robert covington every possession as opposed to uh austin rivers or eric gordon that's a that's a pretty massive switch if the dallas mavericks are getting robert covington and he gets to defend jamal murray in a series as opposed to dorian finney smith defending jamal murray That's a pretty big deal. That's a pretty big upgrade for Dallas. So in either of those situations, Denver could absolutely lose that series. There is no doubt in my mind that depending on where Robert Covington goes, he could swing a series in the favor of the opposing team. So if you're Denver, you could add Robert Covington to to defend those other guys, to defend Luka Doncic, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, all of those other guys. The Nuggets do have interest, and I don't, I'm not surprised by that at all. I think that he's basically he would fill kind of the hybrid role between Gary Harris and Torrey Craig, where Craig is really the guy who's assigned to the opposing team's best player most of the time. Robert Covington would take that assignment a lot. Uh, Robert Covington's also a guy who would play the off-ball spacer role in Denver's offense, and Gary Harris is usually that guy. he he has to take a lot of shots, and right now Robert Covington isn't shooting that great of a percentage, but he also is playing on a Minnesota Timberwolves team that is pretty bad, and it it doesn't surprise me that he's struggling a little bit because he's playing a lot of power forward, and I don't think that that's his position. I think he's more of a small forward, but let's say you're in a position where you need to go small, and you still need to defend the opposing team's best player. If you want Michael Porter Jr. on the floor and you don't want him defending Paul George, for example, you could have Robert Covington at the three, Michael Porter Jr. at the four, and Jeremy Grant at the five to match up with their small ball. I think that's a really big deal. I think that's, a, that's an interesting scenario that Denver should really consider. It depends on what you have to give up, and there are some contracts that I think Denver would have to give up, possibly even Mason Plumley, in a Robert Covington deal. And that would be a tough thing. That would be a tough sell. And they might even have to give up the value of a couple of first-round picks. Now, maybe that's Malik Beasley and Monte Morris. Maybe that is uh, just their 2022 and 2024 first-round picks. And it would be a tough sell, and it would be a tough situation to be in. But I think that Denver could really be interested in that. Robert Covington is a player, and while he may not swing an ultimate series, he could at least get Denver one series further, so instead of being upset in the first round, they at least make it to the second round or the Western Conference Finals, depending on who they face. Another name that I've heard the Nuggets like a lot is Davis Bertans. Davis Bertans, of course, is Washington Wizards power forward, forward, whatever you want to call him. He's basically their designated shooter. He shoots a high percentage from three on a high amount of attempts, one of the best shooters in the NBA right now. And when you can add a shooter of that quality, it makes a lot of things a lot easier for the Nuggets. Then, if you're trying to figure out how to space the floor around Nikola Jokic, if you have Davis Bertans out there, it makes it a whole heck of a lot easier. Add DAVIS Bertans and Michael Porter Jr. on either side of the action; that's pretty easy. It makes it makes it really, really easy to defend uh, or to to at least attack an open floor in the half court and that's been Denver's biggest issue is that they don't have enough spacing in the half court right now to consistently generate a good shot on the first possession. They've been so reliant on offensive rebounding and it's great to be a great offensive rebounding team, don't get me wrong, but the best teams in the NBA, the championship winners, they make shots on the first try. They have an offense that they can go to consistently in the clutch. And it can't just be through one player. They have to be able to pass it to other guys and trust that they can make those shots. I would trust that Davis Bertans would make an open three-point shot as, as much as I would trust anybody, including Michael Porter Jr. So because Michael Porter Jr. has grown the way that he has, I don't expect Denver to really seriously pursue that unless they feel like giving up on Jeremy Grant or Paul Millsap. I don't expect either of those things to happen either, so <clears throat> I'm going to go with Davis Bertans is not going to be a nugget, but they do like him. Another guy, Bogdan Bogdanovic. He's a Serbian wing for the Sacramento Kings. He just was recently introduced into the starting lineup, but he's about to get paid like Malik Beasley. He wants to be paid like a starter. I think that if Denver was going to pay anybody between Malik Beasley, Gary Harris, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, you'd probably go with Bogdanovich in that situation just because he has the capability to also be a ball handler. He has the capability to be a shooter off the dribble. Not a great defender, but neither is Beasley, and he'll likely cost less than Gary Harris already does. So it's an interesting piece I wonder if the Sacramento Kings would accept a package of Hernan Gomez and Beasley for Bogdanovich. I don't know if they would. They might not. They might be in a situation where he's a starting caliber player and they want to keep him. But the Sacramento Kings are in shambles right now. And they, they are not a good organization. And they have a lot of problems. And I think that Denver could really take advantage of them. If they choose to go that route, the real other question is whether Bogdanovich would play a ton in a playoff series, depending on who the Nuggets had. And if you've got Jamal Murray and Will Barton already, then sometimes Bogdanovich would be a little bit redundant in those situations and having all three of them on the court would also really impact the, the defense in a negative way. So you're really playing with fire there, but if you're looking for some potent offense off the bench and after Michael Porter Jr. or including him, then I think Bogdanovich would be a good option. He would be really good friends with Nikola Jokic from what I understand. They connected really well in the Serbian national team, and all of those guys are really connected well together. And if you can re-sign that guy and make Jokic happy, I think that's there's promise in that as well. So... I don't think it happens, but we'll see. Last major guy I think that we'll talk about is Jay Crowder. He's a physical guy. He's a grinder, somebody who can defend all different types of players. If there's a physical offensive presence, somebody like a a powerful forward like Kawhi Leonard, Jay Crowder is probably one of the better options to defend him, at least in certain situations where you need him at small forward. If Jeremy Grant is going to defend him, then that's probably when he's playing power forward. That's probably when he when the Clippers are going small, and that would be a great situation. Uh, Denver could switch in those situations. They'd have a lot of great opportunities to uh, switch up and down if they had Will Barton. <coughs> if they, had, sorry, if they had Will Barton, Jeremy Grant, and Jay Crowder on the floor at the same time, man, that's a pretty diverse line of of wings and forwards. If you surround Jokic with those kinds of guys and just kind of switch everything on the perimeter, could be a really good, interesting scenario. Uh, It might not work, and Jay Crowder's not shooting the ball particularly well this year, so I think it would come relatively cheap. I think the Grizzlies are asking for a first-rounder. They're not going to get it, but if they got Malik Beasley, then... I think that they would consider that a win. I think Malik Beasley fits really well there, so it would be interesting to see how they play that. Uh, Of the three guys that I won't seriously talk about are J.J. Reddick, Andre Iguodala, and Marcus Morris. J.J. Reddick is apparently not available from the Pelican side. They want a couple of veterans to stick around, even if they trade Drew Holiday, even if they trade Derek Favors. People have been calling about J.J. Reddick, and they're not getting a lot of traction there, so... Andre Iguodala, another name. He's on top of being kind of tough for the Nuggets to work money around, unless they they trade Mason Plumlee. Uh, I don't want him back. He may not even want to be back in Denver. Uh, he's he's been holding out of Memphis for the entire year and has made a stink about it. And the Memphis Grizzlies players last night were pretty pretty upset that he's been he's been just chilling on the bench, chilling away from the team. And so they, they want them, they want them gone. And it doesn't surprise me if you, if you walk out on a team and say, I don't care to play with you at all, then well, you're going to get some hate and deservedly. So, so even if Igudala wants to play for Denver, I don't know how much more impactful he can be than Torrey Craig. At this point, I trust Craig's legs and his defense a little bit more, uh, Iguodala has had some big shots, but he hasn't played in a long time. So, how much, how many shots do you really want him to take? We'll see, but I very much doubt it. And then Marcus Morris, as I said, hard to, hard to really come up with a good package there, unless you're giving up Jeremy Grant, and I don't think Denver should give up Jeremy Grant. Not to mention Marcus Morris, kinda doesn't like, or kind of a. Uh, misogynist a little bit made some serious comments about uh being feminine on the basketball court that kind of rubbed me the wrong way like you don't have to like the nba has been working with the wnba as much as possible and they've they've tried to come up with good terms there and marcus morris clearly doesn't seem like a guy who really thinks before he speaks and that's uh I I don't think he's a great locker room guy. He's been in a lot of trouble. Whether he's been guilty or innocent of it, he's been in situations where he's been in a lot of trouble. So I don't think the Nuggets really care for that in their locker room. And I very much doubt that they would actually acquire him. So tell you what, let's take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk some rotation. We'll be right back. Alright, we're back. Nuggets Numbers, Ryan Blackburn here. I'm going to close the show with a couple of things for Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and the five rotation questions that I have. We'll try and keep this short, keep this brief. I think that there are definitely some points here that people should listen to with regard to Beasley and Hernan Gomez especially. I wrote today in my article that Malik Beasley trade destinations are pretty, pretty interesting and pretty wide across the board. Um, I'm going to just list off some of the places that I had in my, in my article today. If I can find it, I just tried to pull it up and, um, oh yeah, here we go. The teams that I listed in the article today that I think would be a good fit, as I mentioned, Memphis Grizzlies, the Atlanta Hawks, the Orlando Magic, a couple of teams that are that are young and contending teams, or at least or young and and rebuilding teams, excuse me, and then a couple of contenders in Philly and Houston. That if they were to give up the right price for Beasley, I think that you probably have to make that deal, even if it is to Houston. If it's to Philly and they're willing to give you a, a first round pick for him, then I think you got to do that. There, there are definitely some some reasons to give up Beasley I will say um, he's not gonna find a really solid spot in this rotation I think and that's a really tough thing. Um, with regard to Watcher Hernan Gomez he's more along the lines of just straight up rebuilding teams like the Knicks, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Charlotte Hornets to <clears throat> excuse me Charlotte Hornets to uh, reunite with Billy Hernan Gomez his brother. Detroit, who is just making a trade right now that's sending out Luke Kennard and getting back some younger assets. Uh, Atlanta Hawks, again, Phoenix Sun, or not Phoenix, uh, Sacramento Kings and Golden State Warriors, they should all have at least passing interest in Wancho, so it wouldn't surprise me if we hear on trade deadline day that Wancho has been traded to one of those teams. He will get more playing time in those situations than he has in Denver, and I think Nuggets fans really want to see the best for Wancho, and it's just tough that he hasn't been able to consistently do that in Colorado. He's a good piece. He's smart. He understands his role. And there are very few opportunities to get guys like that on the roster, but I'm uh, I'm just very hesitant that given the, the emergence of Michael Porter Jr., how Denver wants to keep at least one of Jeremy Grant or Paul Millsap going forward, I don't think there's going to be enough time at power forward, which is his real position, especially next to Nikola Jokic, because I just don't think there's enough time there. But it is what it is, and, and wishing the best for Wancho, if he is on Denver's roster or not. Okay, I said I, I promised I would talk about the rotation, and here are five rotation questions that I have. Some of this is fluid once again. If there is a big trade that changes the rotation, then consider this at least partially admissible, Uh, but we'll see how it goes. The first question I have, when everyone gets healthy, who are the starters? Assuming there are no major trades, I think that Michael Malone is probably going to return to his normal guys, which are Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic. And there's a strong argument for doing so. That's one of Denver's best lineups. It's one of the best starting lineups in the NBA from a net rating perspective. That group has been very good together. And they know how to play together. Even though they didn't really shoot well, they're still playing well together and they're still doing well offensively and defensively. So it'll be interesting to see if they just return to that. But I think there are also some strong options for other things. Um... I would personally start Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Paul Millsap, and Nikola Jokic, and bring Monte Morris, Gary Harris, Jeremy Grant, and Mason Plumlee off the bench. I think that flows a little bit better, and also it puts Murray on the floor with Porter or Porter on the floor with Murray and Jokic specifically. Denver needs to figure that out. And if he can be a piece in the playoffs, especially as a starter, that would be massively important. And I don't think it's going to happen. It, it seems like it would go against everything that Michael Malone stands for. And especially while Gary Harris is still on the roster, while Tory Craig can still give them good defensive minutes, then it, it doesn't seem like it's likely. However, I think that lineup would be really, really good. And it would give Michael Porter Jr. a lot of opportunities to face starters, even though he hasn't really done that a lot. He's been mostly facing bench players, but in the playoffs, starters are the ones that play most of the time. So you have to figure it out. Um, but let's just say that the the main starters are the guys that are that are going to start. If that happens, then I think Monte Morris, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, and Mason Plumley are the primary reserves. And Torrey Craig gets spot minutes, that leaves Beasley out of the rotation right now, and that's that's tough. That's it's it's one of the reasons why I think Denver is going to explore trading him is because if he doesn't have a role, if he doesn't have an opportunity to really make an impact, then I just don't think it serves Denver in the best way to keep him around. Despite the fact that maybe he is better than Gary Harris, and maybe maybe that's what happens. And but you tied your you tied tied the knot with Gary Harris, and I think you owe him at least some opportunity to come back to Earth, unless you can get somebody who's like sizably better. Um, and and Malik Beasley isn't that he has a lot of defensive lapses. He like even though he spaces the floor, there are a lot of times where he goes dry and he doesn't know when to stop shooting. So, I think there's definitely an argument for. Just going back to the main starters, but if it were up to me, I would finally insert Porter into the starting rotation. Not just because I want to see Porter. I think it's just nice to have some size out on the floor again, and, and Porter really provides that size and shooting dynamic that nobody else can really offer. So be that as it may, it is what it is. The second question I have is, are we going to go with Paul Millsap or Jeremy Grant to close games? This is an underrated question, I think, and both of those guys offer different things for different situations. Paul Millsap is definitely the better team defender. I think it's no doubt that when he went down, the Nuggets really started to struggle, and they've struggled each of the past three years when he's been off the floor. He has the largest defensive impact of of any Nugget, and it's no wonder because the Nuggets are definitely a positional defense they're not a a team that will overwhelm opposing teams with uh with physical size they have to be in the right position and Paul Millsap is one of the best at making sure everybody is in the right position and then getting to the right spot himself however Jeremy Grant has really developed some great chemistry with Nikola Jokic over the last few weeks especially offensive chemistry Uh, There have been a lot of situations where Jeremy Grant has carried the Nuggets from a three-point shooting perspective, where he's been the best floor spacer on the team when Nikola Jokic is on the post. If that's the situation and Denver needs some extra spacing and they don't want to give up too much defense, then Jeremy Grant's going to be the guy that closes a lot of games. He may even be a starter. It wouldn't surprise me if they just went with Jeremy Grant as the starting power forward and said, hey... Paul, I know that you're great, you're going to contribute to the bench, and we really appreciate you for that, but we believe that Jeremy Grant is going to be the future of this team at Power Forward, and we're going to transition that way because it's close enough. That would not surprise me. But I still think that it's going to go back to the normal starters, I think probably about 24 minutes for Paul Millsap, as it gets closer, as, as the Nuggets need more and more wins going down the stretch if they're fighting for playoff position. Then they'll increase his minutes to about 28 to 30. But Jeremy Grant's going to get his time. Porter will play a, a few small ball power forward minutes. And I think that's a pretty good situation to be in. Like, that's a, that's a really solid rotation depending on what's around them. Number three, how does the wing rotation shake out? Like I said, I think that Gary Harris and Will Barton are going to be the main wings. I think Will Barton gets the most time. I think he'll play around 32, 34 minutes per game. He's very reliable, has been very consistent throughout the year, super impactful in different ways. When when Jamal Murray went down, he assumed point guard responsibilities. When Jamal Murray was the point guard, he was shooting 45% from three. Um, those numbers have averaged out, and it's averaged out to a pretty solid season for Will Barton as a starter. And Denver has to be encouraged with that. That being said, the other wing spot is a a real concern. Gary Harris has been injured. He's been uh, shooting the ball pretty badly over the course of the past few years at this point. I think we can acknowledge that. He didn't shoot the ball well last year, and he's been even worse this year. He has to get back on track from a three-point perspective because the Nuggets cannot go into the playoffs without a shooting guard that can shoot threes. Now they, they probably need everybody to shoot. And that's, that's one of the things that makes them so dangerous at their ceiling is that everybody can cut, everybody can shoot, everybody can handle. That's a, that's basically what happens when the Nuggets are at their peak. And, but that was with Gary Harris performing at his peak as well. And we just haven't seen that in a long time. So Will Gary Harris continue starting and playing 30-plus minutes? I think that's a major question. I don't know if it's going to happen, but would it surprise anybody if that's what actually did happen? Michael Porter Jr. will play minutes. I think he'll be the main wing off the bench, but it could be Torrey Craig. It could be a situation where Denver feels like they need defense, and Porter is again has his minutes kind of cut. Will they drastically cut those minutes when the Vets are back healthy? I don't know. I don't know. He likely won't play a lot of power forward minutes anymore once Paul Millsap returns. That was one of the main reasons why the Nuggets were so good with their backup unit over the last few weeks without Mason Plumlee. Was that instead of playing... Jokic, 48 minutes, they played Jeremy Grant at the 5 and Michael Porter Jr. at the 4, and that's just a wrinkle, I think, that could be really impactful in the playoffs, where the, the small ball 5 was using a pick-and-pop, and, and the Nuggets were spacing the floor 5 out, and it allows for driving lanes, it allows for cutting lanes, and offensive rebounding for Porter. And that was one of the reasons why they were able to kind of stay afloat. That might be a situation in the playoffs where they need to go to it. So, I'm interested in seeing whether Porter plays more of his minutes at the... Like, he'll definitely play mostly at small forward. But does he play more minutes at shooting guard or power forward? Going to be interesting. Number four, Monte Morris or P.J. Dozier. This probably seems easy on the surface. Monte Morris is the vet. Monte Morris has been very good over the past few weeks, especially with Jamal Murray going down. The Nuggets needed somebody who could step up, and Monte Morris has been that guy. He's been both playing on and off the ball. Sometimes Will Barton is kind of playing the de facto point guard role. Sometimes it's just Nikola Jokic, and they're getting him the ball in the post, and everybody's basically a shooting guard at that point. But Monte's been shooting the ball well. He's been keeping the turnovers mostly in check, although they've gone up a little bit recently. The problem is, defensively, it gets a little bit small with Monte Morris out there. (coughs) Add in Monte Morris and Gary Harris, it's a pretty small backcourt. Monte Morris and Jamal Murray, pretty small backcourt. If the Nuggets are in a situation where they need more size in their backcourt, and they can't just play Will Barton at the point, pj dozier might be a decent option he's shown over the past few weeks when he's had the opportunity that he can be a really solid defensive player been really impressed with what he does and how smart he is and his ability to get the get his hand in the right place defensively and whether that's blocking shots or contesting at the rim or getting deflections he's got long athletic arms uh, can jump uh, is very crafty with the ball uh, has the ability to shoot off the dribble that he's been developing in the G League, and he looks really good. He's in a position where that's that's uh that's a not a bad option to have as a point guard in the playoffs. So, I'm interested to see how that goes. I think that they're probably going to split more time than people think. Uh, PJ deserves that. He's been in a great situation. Now, Malone generally just goes back to his guys, and Morris is definitely his guy, but. Let's say Morris isn't shooting that well. Let's say the opposing team has a really strong point guard on the second unit that, that they need Monte Morris to defend and he just can't. Maybe P.J. Dozier is the guy that they insert. And then last one, last one before we head out here. Do Michael Porter Jr.'s minutes go up, down, or do they stay around the same? This is the one I'm definitely the most curious about. Michael Porter Jr.'s trajectory over the past couple of months has been incredibly positive, for, at least from a, a minutes perspective. Been really impressed with how Malone has really handled that. He, he didn't have a ton of didn't have a ton of minutes over the start of the season, but ever since that point, they've been trending slowly upward. In October, he played just 21 minutes in one game. In November, he played 9 games, 69 minutes. In December, he played 144 minutes, and in January, he played 321. That translates to 7 minutes per game in November, 10 minutes per game in December, 21 minutes per game in January, and he was Denver's best plus-minus player over that stretch. He was a massively impactful player. He shot 48% from three. True shooting percentage was 63%. I think he needs to play. And I think that even though there are a lot of veterans that are in that situation that are guys that probably just deserve to play over him because they've been in the league for longer, tough cookies. This is the NBA. This is a competitive league. And Michael Porter Jr. is clearly deserving of that time at this point. He has made some massively positive effects on the starting unit when he's been out there, basically with with Barton and Jokic. That unit is one of the best offensive units in the NBA. And then with the bench, when Jeremy Grant has played the 5 and he's played the 4, he's been one of the best rebounders in the NBA. He's been the best rebounding player in his class, in his rookie class. He's been the best point scorer in his class as well, from at least a points-per-100 possessions perspective, and that doesn't surprise me at all. He's been an elite scorer. He's been an elite rebounder. When you have that as a rookie, you kind of just got to play. You kind of got to figure it out. If his minutes go down, it's, it's going to be pretty disappointing because he's on this track right now where everything's slowing down for him. Everything is, is slowly figuring things out. He struggled to shoot the ball early in his career, but he is now figuring out how to make those shots, how to get comfortable consistently. And if you have an elite knockdown shooter, you got to play them, especially in a playoff series. That could be the difference between a win and a loss in a game six. If you have a guy that hits two of his three-pointers as opposed to zero, that was the difference in Denver's game seven last year, that's for sure. Nikola Jokic was the only guy who hit three-point shots in Denver's game seven against Portland. Imagine what they would have done had Michael Porter Jr. been out there. It might be a Western Conference Finals team. That's going to do it for me at Nuggets Numbers. Make sure to check out the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network. Zach Zach Mikosh and Gordon Gross yesterday talked about the trade deadline as well. I figured a couple of new things cropped up, so I wanted to talk about those. It's an interesting position that Denver finds themselves in. Count me in as one of the guys that thinks that Drew Holiday should be a Nugget at the end of this. I think that they should do what they can to get him. Because if you have Jamal Murray, Drew Holiday, Michael Porter Jr., and Nikola Jokic in the same lineup, you are dangerous. On both sides of the ball, honestly, but especially offensively. And at this point, offense wins championships in the NBA. That is a fact. I will see you guys next week.